0: This is Real Life with Kevin West. We've been talking about um, Psalm 85, and I really sense with all my heart that as we transition and we move towards the last two to three weeks going into the November Thanksgiving Sunday, the Sunday before Thanksgiving when we're going to receive communion, and we'll capsulize all this, and we'll we'll put it in... uh, um, the history books of our last 85 days, I really want to tell you a little bit about, just to bring everybody up to speed, but also kind of push us into, I'm going to transition into more of the New Testament. We've been talking a little bit about, or a lot about, the Old Testament. We've been talking about what God has done in the intent. Uh, uh, Many of us don't understand, and I, I didn't for the longest time understand, the fulfillment and the understanding of how big this thing really is. So let me just kind of summarize real quickly. If you will just track with me for just a minute, it'll bring you up to speed and I can launch into the, the next set, the part of this, this series that we're doing. It was a time when the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt that were in heavily bondage for 430 years. They were under such control of the government of Pharaoh and all of the taskmasters that when they finally did come out and Moses was called to bring them out of Egypt, when they crossed over the Red Sea and come out into the wilderness, they weren't in where they were going to be, but they weren't where they were in the past anymore. So they were in transition, they were in between. The challenge that they had in the wilderness was that their mindsets were still stuck in Egypt. They had no new mindsets. You have to have new mindsets to replace old mindsets. If you don't have new mindsets or new truths or new understandings, you'll always revert back to the way you always done things. Just the way it works. So the your, your only way you would displace old mindsets is with getting new truths, new understanding, new fresh revelation. You've got to have some new enlightenment, to, to, to discard some of the things that we've known in the past. So, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they're in the wilderness. Moses comes along, and he, as he's bringing them forth, he's telling them about all these promises that are yes and amen, what God has for them. The challenge is, they had no frame of reference on what tomorrow looked like. And all they had was four, 430 years or 10 and a half generations of, of people telling them in their own experiences of how to live under the control of government, under the control of a dictator, and a control of a, a taskmasters, where they just learned to maneuver in their system, but never understood how to truly be free and how to create. They didn't understand unlimited possibilities. All they knew was the possibilities that they had were always going to be under the control of this pharaoh system, this, this government system. When they finally got to that place, they looked at Moses, they said, look, because they were so used to looking at the Pharaoh and the system to be their source, when they get out into the wilderness, they didn't know how to live free, so they looked to Moses to be their source. Instead of looking to God to be their source and giving them unlimited resources, even though manna was falling from heaven, their shoes weren't wearing out, they were living in this place, they're going, man, this is incredible, I love living out here, however, we want water. Moses, get us water. Moses, get us meat. We need quail. We need food. And so they're constantly murmuring and complaining because at least back in this controlled environment, in the old mindset, they had security. When you take a a leap of faith and step out into an area of life, you have to leave back your security and dependency on other people. You step out and you come out here to the wilderness, you're going, oh my God. And there's a time period between where you were and you leave security to a time that you're not really where you're gonna be, but you know it's coming. And that transition period in the middle is a time of, oh my God, what am I gonna do? And if you're not careful and you don't get new mindsets, you don't get new truths, no new understandings, you'll look to Moses, you'll look to the new place, your wilderness, your transition, you'll try to hang it onto somebody's head rather than look and say, no, God brought me out, God will take me in, right? So Moses became that point of contact. Moses became the man, the one they looked at. Moses, if you go talk to God, just, we don't want to go talk to him. You just tell us what he said, and then you come back and tell us what he said, and we'll just do what he said. It was never God's will for just one man to, to speak to everybody else. It was God's will for everybody to be able to hear, to hear God for himself. Right? That was a picture. So Moses goes up on this mountain, he gets these laws, he gets these rules, and he gets these these understanding, the tablets of stone, he gets these Ten Commandments. He comes back down and he starts telling them, listen, I got two things. I got two things. I got rules for us to live by, and if we do it right, man, we can have a long life. It's going to be good. I also have a pattern, a picture that God gave me in detail how to build a tabernacle or a place where God will come down and visit with with these people. And we're going to do that as we travel and sojourn and go through this wilderness experience because our destination is not the wilderness. Our destination is this land of promise. And the land of promise is a place that flows with milk and honey. It's a place that has peace and joy, unlimited possibilities. It's going to be incredible when we get there. However, you can't get there without going through this. You don't get a just. It's not a hop and a skip and a jump. It's a hop and then boom. you get your head beat in right here. Right, Amen. And I know what we, we preach a lot of times in our church world. We preach it. It's, you know, it's, gonna, it's all going to be perfect and good. No. If anybody ever preaches that the kingdom of God has no troubles for their people, they're lying to you. Amen. It is hard. It's stretch. And what's the stretch? What's the heartache? What's the hurt? What's the pain? It's not that you're getting disappointed because God's after you. It's the, the, this right here in your head. That God is trying to get out of your head and get new truths into us. And the harder we fight with holding on to the old way, the harder it is for us in the transition. New truth comes. When new truth comes, new information comes, when it hits you in the mouth, hits you in the face, you have an opportunity to see new truth and an old mindset, an old paradigm. If you embrace the new, you can then move into the next phase of your life. If you only fight off the new and say, it doesn't sound right to me, I can't do that, it doesn't make sense, then I'm just going to hold on to the old. If you just hold on to the old, the best you're going to do is put on a brand new suit and still be the same way you were. You can't change the clothes without changing the way you think. You can't change your destination without changing the way you think. Amen. It's all up here in your head. It's right here. And that's the battle of the mind. The battle that goes on in your head is this way of we thinking, And here's what happens. So when you're under the control of government like they were for 400 years, I don't blame them for for wanting security. And now they come out here in this area and they're going, my God. So Moses comes down and says, we're going to get all these wonderful rules, all these wonderful places. Man, this is going to be great. And now they started living by a bunch of rules to help control the relationship. And that's how they knew God and the way they interacted with God was based on if they do good, he'll bless them. If they don't do well, he's not gonna bless them. That was their frame of reference. And it worked that way. How was that? It was because that's exactly how they thought Pharaoh was. If they did well in Pharaoh's day, Pharaoh will bless them. If he doesn't do well in Pharaoh's day, he won't bless them. So they come over here, and all they did was trade Pharaoh, trade God in for Pharaoh, Pharaoh in for God. Make sense? So now they have this, this paradigm, nothing changed. Their geography changed, but the way they saw Pharaoh, and now they 're looking at God saying he 's the same way, and God never intended for them to be that way. so for, for, for a long time, an entire forty years, a generation walked around the mountain went around and round and round and round, and God even said to them, "Listen, you can get to the next place in eleven days." but god said i can 't take you in eleven days i 've got to take you the long way because if I take you the shortcut." You'll come over here ready to cross this promised land and you'll take the old mindsets into this new place and you'll lose everything I've got for you. A lot of times we're not experiencing the new developments of our life because we're not willing to abandon an old way of thinking. So what God allows to happen is these battles in this transition is for one purpose, to strip you of those old mindsets. Mindsets that you cannot take in your new season. It's unhealthy over there. It's scary over there. Because what you'll do is you'll resort back to an old way and it won't work over here. It went on and on and on throughout the entire scriptures. Then there came another time that the children of Israel, they would do well, they'd get obedient, they would be blessed. They'd have a king that rises up and did great in the sight of God, that Israel would be blessed. And then there would be a king rise up that would do wicked in the sight of God and it'd all be cursed. It's just a hill and a valley and a roller coaster up and down the whole time. And finally, they get to this place where they were, they were, they were, they were wicked, had a, king, a wicked king. he puts the, God says, now you're going to go into 70 years of captivity in Babylon. So God raises up this king called Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar over the Persian Empire, Babylonian Empire. The children of Israel come in. Now they're under slavery for 70 years, a different generation, but the same type of slavery. Nebuchadnezzar said, I'll tell you what we're going to do this time. What what we're going to do is we're going to take all the children, the young people, and we're going to get all the young people and everybody that's smart, skillful, educated, uh, has good vocabulary, great potential. We're going to come in and bring them in, and we're going to teach them the way of the Chaldeans. We're going to teach them our language, and that way they'll forget their own language, and we're going to indoctrinate them into our system. That way, over 30 or 40 years, we get two generations. We'll have parents and children growing up speaking the Chaldean language, and they'll forget all about their Hebrew roots. 70 years of that. Then there came a time, after the 70 years was up, and I'm fast-forwarding here pretty bit because I'm taking this to to today, after 70 years of captivity, God begins to raise up voices, leaders, that begin to say, it's time for you to come out of Nebuchadnezzar's rule and come out here, and it's going to be a time for us now to do exactly what the children of Israel should have done when Moses brought them out of of Egypt. Moses brought him out of Egypt. They all died in the wilderness. Moses died seeing the promised land, but he could never enter it. Joshua took him in, right? A different type of leader, a different type of voice, a different type of time, a different type of people. And God allowed the certain type of people to raise up over 40 years to go into that wilderness and that, cross over Jericho, Jordan, into the Jericho and take over the promised land. He did the same thing in Babylonian times. He waited till the end of the 70 years, and now it's ready to go. We're, we got a whole new group of people. we got a crop of people here now that are ready to go. So God starts raising up people like Nehemiah, Ezra, Haggai. He starts naming, raising up prophets, and he begins to say this. Now, we're leaving Babylon. you got to come out of that system. The same way Moses went and said, you got to come out of Egypt, Joshua was right with him. Now, Nehemiah's going, we got to come out. Ezra's going, it's time to come out. Hey, guys, saying, it's time to come out. We got to go. Psalm 85 says it this way. It was the time that they were leaving Babylonian Empire, coming into the place now, they're ready to set up shop for the new life. Under God as the leader, under different types of territories, they were leaving the bondage, and now they had to learn to live in a place of freedom. I'm telling you today, in 2023, We have lived under the control of a government for the last couple of decades. When you have 14.5% of the American workforce, it's 14.5% of the entire population works for the federal government, the local government, and state government. 12.5% more receive government assistance from the government, not counting Social Security and retirement. When you have one-fourth of your population of 300-plus million people, one-fourth of them getting their source, the government has a piece of everything that they do. You can't help to be learned to live, to learn to live under the control of a, Everything we're doing here, the dome, the construction and the build-out, the process of moving over there, a playground in the back, streetlights, Everything we're doing is we're running secretary of education for, 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 for school. Everything we're doing, we have to hit and run into government. Yeah. Right? Everything. I'm telling you, there's nothing that we're doing that we don't have to. And I'm not the type to lay over. I'm just not the type to acquiesce. I'm compliant. No, I'm not. I push back when I feel pushed. Amen. Right, we do. That's a, it's, a, it's just I think it's the competitive nature that we have. I, I try to see through a lot of this. I'm not looking. We've been under red tape for 25 or 30 years in this country. Yes. It needs to go from red tape to red carpet. Yes. Red carpet encourages creativity and 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 and, and, and opportunity. It creates risk. It creates, let's go, let's do this. Red tape is, it won't work, it won't work, it won't work, it won't work. If you do this, then you'll do... That was Egypt. That's Babylonian empire. And that's the last couple of decades in our country. But as Moses was the voice that brought him out, Joshua took him in. As Ezra, Nehemiah, Haggai, and the rest of the prophets were a voice to come out of Babylon, there's a voice that's rising up in 2023 to take us out of the control of a religious system that we've created ourselves, You have the government control and you have religious control. The religious system chokes the life out of you. It gives you rules to live by without any relationship. Psalm 85 said it this way. There was the sons of Korah, they wrote it, they said, oh my God, here we go. He says, God, remember us. We're a generation, they said, that is living on the threshold of coming out of Babylon into a new day. You're Psalm 85. You're alive today as an adult with children and grandchildren. You're alive today because you are a generation that's been chosen to step forward and cross over a threshold into a new day, into a new time with a new mindset. Would you all agree with me that the world feels like it's going to hell in a handbasket? You got stuff that you would never have believed 20 or 30 years ago that it's just acceptable today. You got all kinds of things that are going crazy and people are going, oh my God. The, the, the people are, and the, the natural tendency is to get back behind this pulpit and begin to preach hard and condemnation to get people to change. Because it worked 30 or 40 years ago for a while. What we decided to do here and what I'm connected to and what the Lord is doing, I believe, globally, not just here, is we've got to get the big picture to know what we're a part of. So I began to study, I began to think, okay, what are we doing? What is this all about? Then God began to, through a series of teaching, through a series of people that we know and relationships, begin to show us, here's how this thing kind of works. So at the beginning, before the beginning of time, in the beginning of time, God had angelic hosts, day one through six, he created everything. And he invited the host of heaven to be a part of the council of God that sit behind the scenes. And God began to just whisper and create and talk and begin to share and and show what his ideas, his thoughts. And he began to create the entire world. And those angelic hosts were able to see this. Their job was never to have a body. Their job was to be a part of seeing this incredible creation come to pass. God had the heaven with his angelic host and he created the earth. But he didn't have anybody to to be on the earth. So he takes man and he takes dust and he forms man. And he says, here, I'm sitting you in the earth, you in the earth, man, and all the host of heaven. What you're going to do is you're going to take all you see in the garden. We're going to communicate. And I want you to take that into the entire world. And I want you to change the world to look just like the garden. And I'll be here in the garden with you. The host of heaven will be here in the garden. And we'll all meet here in the cool of the day. And then, on you know the story. God took a woman, man, took man, put him to sleep, birthed the side out of his side, and there came his wife as a helpmate. Eve became a living soul too. And he put him in the garden. He says, Now go. I will bring you the animals, and you name them. I need you to participate in this, is what God's saying to them. This is not me dictating, this is us partnering and communicating. I'm gonna share my heart to you, and I'm gonna let you create. All you gotta do is stay connected to me, and then you get to create whatever on your, what is on your heart. Because I trust that what's on your heart, if you're connected to me, will be from my heart. You won't create something that's selfish if you stay connected to me. Are you following me? The serpent comes. Tricks Eve, you guys know the story. Tricks Eve, when she's tricks Eve, he says, man, God knows as soon as you eat of that tree right there, your, your eyes are gonna open and you'll be like him. And then the woman says, boy, I see that's really right. What she didn't realize, what she fell for was, yeah, I'll be like God. What she didn't know, what, what she failed to remember, and what he tricked her with was, you're already like God. Yeah. Yeah. She sins, she rebels. God runs him out of the garden and the curse finally hits the ground. Ground, the, the ground is cursed, the serpent's cursed, the seed of the serpent's cursed the woman's going to have travail and having babies and, and multiplication is going to be hard to grow, it's going to be hard you know, to, to, it's just going to be painful to reproduce, it's going to be painful to be fruitful, it's, gonna, it's just going to be a lot of pain, and he looks at Adam and he says now Adam, here's the thing, you're going to work hand to mouth my friend, now the, the ground is cursed because of you, and because the ground is cursed, you're going to work paycheck to paycheck, week to week you're going to have like bags with holes in it. You're going to put money in it and it's going to fall to the ground. Why? Because you're under a poverty curse. You created that Adam by sinning. Now go and drive. He drove him out of the, into the world. And from that point on, mankind was still commissioned to create, still commissioned to do what we're called to do, still commissioned to be fruitful and multiply. The challenge is now we've got to do it by our own sweat, by our own works. And not by the, the, the grace of in the motivation and the impetus of God. You following me? So as we, they move, they move, and they keep going, Cain kills Abel. It just gets really crazy. And then about the sixth chapter of, of, of Genesis, the angelic host that watched this happen, that fell and fell with the Lucifer that fell, they, they saw the, 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 the curse was the seed of the serpent will be an enmity with the seed of the woman. And follow me here. I know I'm going to be a little deep here, but the reality of it is, is when those the third of those angelic hosts fell, here's what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 6. When the sons of God, those angels, saw that the women were good looking, they descended on a mountain, came and took in bodies, and began to have multiplication and began to have fruitfulness with the women. So the seed of the fallen angel now entered into the earth at enmity with the woman's seed. You tracking so far? Are you sure? Can I keep going? Then God looks at it in Genesis chapter 11 and says, i got to do something. If I don't take care of this seed and get rid of this seed, God wasn't upset at the people as much as he was that the seed of the fallen angels, of the giants of the land, the Nephilim, the giants of the land had entered into the world, into the earth. So God then raises up Noah and he says, I got Noah, I I got eight, I got all the animals on the ark and they're on here. Now what, what I've got to do is I got to destroy all of that because if I don't, that seed is going to continue to multiply and it's going to get worse. So he destroys it with water. But then he puts a rainbow in the sky for Noah, and he says, I'll never destroy that bow, that rainbow, I'll never destroy the earth again with water. In fact, what he's saying is, I'll save it with water, right? In fact, what he's really saying is, (laughs) this is going to be so, this is a Wednesday night teaching. I know it is. I can feel it. It's Sunday morning. Some of y'all just like, you know, little stuff. Jack and Jill went up a hill and you get a poem and yeah, and we'd turn it into a Christian song. And we sing it and put it on the lights and everything. But everybody's happy, go, yeah, everybody's happy, we're excited. We walk out here and get our head beat in on Sunday afternoon. We got to go, we got to push. Why? Because you're a generation that's not going to stay in Babylon control any longer. Amen. You are a generation that's going to learn to live in creativity with unlimited possibilities. Why? Because your generation after you and your ge- children's children need to be building off of what you leave, yes. not what you don't have. They can't always learn from our past bad experiences. They got to start learning from some of our good stuff, too. We got to start feeding them things to build. Our ceiling should be their floor. Are you with me? They shouldn't be going, oh, I'm not going to do that any longer. I, I got. I, I know my dad did this, my mom did that, my grandparents did that, I'm not doing like they did. Listen, I've, grew, I've grown up and I've learned everything my parent, my mom and dad did not know as a parent when I was a t- teenager, she's here today. Some of that stuff was pretty good, Mom. <laughs> it's a true story. I'm, I, now, I, now I parent like I was parented. You know what I'm saying? And I blame them for every day for it too, by the way. What I'm saying is, we're moving into a time where the, the, the next generation, and the generation has, to, has, to, has, to, has to, to build on this. Here's what happened. So when Israel comes out of this place, and now in, in Nehemiah says, "We're going to build, and we're going to build big." You got the Nephilim there; they're, they're, they've fallen out. The, the giants have been destroyed. The, the seed was still here, but the giant was been destroyed. Now God has to re- reinvent the entire world again. And, and Noah comes off of the ark, and as Noah comes off the ark with the eight. All we got to do is what's right. we just got to do what's right. If we'll just do what's right, we'll be okay. We'll just do what's right. And everything from Old Testament, Old Covenant was based on what you did, not what him, what he, who he was. The message now starts changing because the prophecies start coming in after Babylon. The prophecy starts entering in, entering in very regularly about there's coming a day when God's not going to be mad at you because of your sins and transgressions. There's coming a day when everything's gonna change. There's coming a day. There's coming a day. There's coming, a, you're gonna know it too. Isaiah said, there's gonna be a sign that's gonna be given to you because there's gonna be a, a, a lamb that's gonna be born, a man that's gonna be born, and that son, that, that son that's gonna be born from a, a, a woman that's a virgin, she's gonna give birth. And when you know that time is there, everything in history is gonna change. Prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. Now the Jews and the Hebrews are all coming together and they're working together, the the Sadducees, the Pharisees, all these people are still doing religious things, doing outward works, doing everything they possibly can in anticipation of the day when the Messiah, the Lamb of God comes and changes the way this thing is done. Hundreds of years go by. Hundreds of years go by. And I'm skipping a lot of Old Testament story to get to where I'm going because a lot of this I've already taught over the last several weeks. But here's the thing. Right from Malachi to Matthew, there were 400 years of silence. Nothing spoken. And all of a sudden, when the fullness of time had come, it was time for a change. Like it is today. I'm telling you by the Spirit of the Lord right now that you are a generation that is coming out of religious dogma out of the government control of pressure and and hand-to-mouth and you're limited and and, and we'll, we'll, to over into a place that flows with milk and honey you are going to be a generation that sees God's glory you're going to see God for who he really is you you are that generation you're going to hear it your heart is already turned towards it now you need the voice and the trumpet to blow so you can turn your heart all the way in right and it's 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 simple when 400 years had passed. Here comes a guy that was a part, of the, a part of the high priest family, John the Baptist. He's out baptizing people in water. baptizing them saying, repent, your sins will be forgiven. Repent, kingdom of God is hand. Repent, repent, repent. And they're all repenting. And everybody's looking at him going, man, this is a good thing. Because John the Baptist is Zachariah's son. He's in line for the priesthood. One day, after 30 years, gee, he looks up. And here comes a man walking down the bank of the Jordan River, and John the Baptist is baptizing people, and people are in of people are all around him. And John looks at him and says, there he is. Behold, look, everybody see him. The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Everybody had been prophesying for 4,000 years, it's now your day. It's, the promise of the future is coming into the now. What he's saying is you don't have to wait any longer. I'm fast. He said, i fast forwarded to this thing. Everything that you've been believing for is available to you today. Behold, the Lamb of God. Jesus walks down off that bank, goes into the water. And when he got into the water, he looks at John and says, I need to be baptized, and you need to be baptized in me. Jesus says, I need to be, be baptized me in the water, because if you don't baptize me, righteousness won't be fulfilled. And John looks at him and says, I'm not even worthy. Tie your shoes. He just gets in the water. What's this. When he comes up out of the water, this voice comes from heaven. It's this father saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He hasn't done one thing yet. And God's already pleased with him. And all of a sudden, this, this, this dove, a spirit like a dove, a manner of dove, came down and landed upon him. Now what's this. For 4,000 years, God was known as fire. Because fire would come down in that timber, tabernacle. Fire would come down and consume him. Elijah consumed 450 prophets of Baal by fire. It was fire. Fire was judgment. Fire was judgment. All of a sudden, the message started changing. It went from fire and judgment, hellfire and brimstone, to a dove. Which means peace. It went from a gospel of fire, I'm talking about fire for judgment, to now... This is a peaceful gospel. And the dove landed on Jesus and remained. Jesus then goes to the wilderness. And as he goes to the wilderness, he gets tempted for 40 days of the devil fighting with Satan. If you're the son of God, if you're the son of God, if you're the son of God. He comes out after overcoming that. He comes back out of the wilderness. And he gets back into the city, into the work of the Lord, into the city in everyday life. Filled with the power of the Holy Spirit that came upon him. For three and a half years from that day, everything... Changed. Peter wanted to cut off an ear. Jesus put it back on. Says, Peter, no, we don't do that. And I got news for you, that's prophetic. Because our, our preaching, and I used to do it, I was good at it. We cut off the ears of the people that they can't hear, and they get mad at them for not hearing. We took the sword that Peter took, cut off the ear. We take the sword of the word of the Lord and cut your ear off so you can't hear and tell you how bad you are and how bad you better do better, you better do better, you better, do better, you do better and beat him and beat and beat. And finally you can't hear anymore. You become dull. Your ear hearing is gone. What did Jesus do? He picks up the ear and says, no Peter, we're not of that spirit. Puts the hearing back on, the ear back on so the, kid, the guy could hear. The sword is to allow you to hear, not to hurt you. The message has changed. Are, are you hearing what I'm telling you? It's no longer condemnation. Jesus comes and says, I'm not coming to condemn the world. I come to save it. If you're hearing condemnation, you're not hearing the right gospel. If you're hearing fear, if you're afraid, into, I'm afraid of God. Man, he, he's so good. You should run to him with your issues. Why? Because he's not going to scorn you. He's going to take it from you. Are, are you following me? For, for all those years, it's been a rule, rules and rules and rules and control. And Oh my God, I've got, I see you as a big God up there. You're like a hammer. And God says, I'm not that hammer. What I'm hammering are the things that are hammering you. I'm against what's against you. Your enemies are fear. That's my enemies too. For three and a half years, he walks amongst the people and brings people to himself and frees people. He takes the load off of them, not puts it on them. Yeah. He takes the pressure off. If you hear the gospel or you're living life and you have more pressure on you, then you need to get Jesus more involved. Because yeah. the Lord is the one that weighs the pressure. That's right. He takes the pressure off of you. Yeah. His burden is light. Yeah. His yoke is easy. Yes. Yeah. And the more you're trying to do it yourself, the more pressure you put on yourself, the more opportunity you have to get underneath the condemnation. Yeah. Because you're not going to get it all right, and your natural mind—the way we always used to think—is, "Oh God, I got to prove myself. I got to prove." And if you think God's up there keeping score, like American Idol in Voice, I'm going to turn his chair around on you. you are He had already embraced you before you heard the word, first words come out of your mouth. Amen. You're on His team, come on. and you didn't choose Him; He chose you. Are you following me? So as we move forward and as this continues, Jesus continued to do the thing. And then here's what happened. This is, this is where it really starts getting really good because over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to really hone in to this New Testament and the message of the gospel. So as Jesus began to walk this thing out with the people and show the disciples, and the disciples are going, this doesn't make any sense. I, I don't get it. I, he's saying things that didn't make He's saying, I got to go away. and It's going to be better for you that I go away. And Jesus is telling them, listen, everything I'm doing I'm doing as a man under the influence of God. And guess what? You're a man. And everything you're going to do is a man under the influence of God. Jesus is looking at him saying, Listen, I don't need you to high five me and be impressed by me. I'm not trying to impress you. I'm trying to let you know it's available to you too. Right. Yes. I, I had to come common because if you thought I was just God only and not man, we'd have a problem. You just go, man, I wish I was like him. No, you are like him. The serpent tells you, you have to do more to be like him. But God says, you are like me. Over the next week, I'm going to get to the cross, up to the cross. When you see this this symbolism of the cross, here's what I'm trying to get you to see. I got to get you to see that you're already free. Join us as we change the world.